to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible ala ba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side. try to put a theological context to some of the thoughts in my heart before we travel further together maybe we can begin from the book of philippians chapter 3 the book of philippians chapter 3 And I'm using the NIV. We're going to read verse 1. I'm going to start with verse 1. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. I'm going to read from the NIV. It says, "Further my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord." It is not trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you. Okay. Uh, uh leave it in the KJV in the NKJV. This side for now. Finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe. So there's a safety in hearing the same things over and over again than being excited about fresh revelations sometimes. The more you grow, the more you learn to be institutionalized and established in the things that you have learned. There's learning things and then there's growing structures that establish you in those things and to grow structures that establish you in those things require learning them over and over again. That's why you hear me say some things over and over again. So it is safe for you. Praise the Lord. Let us go on. <clears throat> Beware of dogs. He's talking about people who have a dog mentality. Right? Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. I don't know if I have the time to explain this, but he says Watch out the NIV says watch out for those dogs those evil doers those mutilators of the flesh he was talking about people who were reteaching some of the things he taught them and when he taught them that as we will see I'll show you a scripture he was trying to teach them that 
what saves a person is not the works of the law, but faith in Jesus. But they came back to teach them that you may need to be circumcised again to align yourself with the covenant of Abraham. And yet there was a change of covenants. So he was calling them dogs because they had an outside mentality. The context is that they don't belong here. So normally these guys didn't have dogs which were cute, which they would love to be inside. The, the use of the word dog in the context of this scripture means those that are outside who by no means belong to the house. So there are people who didn't belong to the new covenant because they held on to the old ones. So they are as good as dogs in that they don't belong to the house. And not only in the sense of not belonging to the house, but that they are bringing filth. So a dog, there's a difference between a dog and galu. <laughs> I'm sure some of you even, you can, you can picturize. We can put this side dog, then queen angutafaka galu. <clears throat> so we're not talking about dog, we're talking about galu. Those for you have to chase, they have to sit outside. Don't be cute. If you were born before 2000, you know what I'm talking about. You, between you and I, you know now that you're not young. If there's a dog, they never allowed in your house. <laughs> you should be giving your tithe monthly because it means you work, you have a job or a business. Or tell your neighbor to call you auntie or uncle. <laughs> if this message is hitting you <laughs> praise God so we have a situation where there's a the Syrophoenician woman who was Greek that is to mean she was not part of the Abrahamic covenant who comes to seek prayer so that Jesus can deliver her child who was afflicted by an evil spirit and after pushing and pushing and pushing um, Jesus responds and says we can't take the children's bread and give it to dogs he meant that she's outside the, Israel, the, the Israelite covenant. So she has no part in it. So those are the context of dog in the scripture. So he goes on to say, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit. We are the circumcision. We serve God by the Spirit. So he's trying to say, what they are doing is not the circumcision. Because the idea of the circumcision was a sign of covenant between God and Abraham. And then when you read the book of Colossians, he goes on to say that he circumcised us, not with physical circumcision, but with the cutting off of the flesh of sin. So it means that that circumcision was symbolic of cutting away sin. Praise God. So it has now been fulfilled. The circumcision has now been fulfilled in Christ. What was spoken to Abraham has now been fulfilled in Christ. So the idea is them, they have remained with the shadow. They've remained with what used to be. They remained, some of them, they just, you know, because Jesus was their relative. Jesus was born in their environment. They found it very difficult to believe him. To some extent, understandably so. Because how can a person you grow up with come to claim he's the Christ? It's a bit difficult. But also, generally, they were a stiff-necked people. Not just because of the, uh, the idea of someone you grew up with suddenly becoming 
the head of the house and their young brother or something like that. It's the idea that they are just generally a stiff-necked people. Because when you study the Old Testament, they contended with Moses. And many times Jesus, God killed them and punished them. And he said to them, all of you who doubted, who are 20 years and above, your, your cadavers will remain in the wilderness. You will not enter the promised land because you doubted. And God called that doubting a temptation. He says, you tempted me, you tried me in the wilderness. So they are just, the Israelite people, are, they are obstinate, they are adamant. They are stiff-necked people, right? So they held on to the idea that our father Abraham was circumcising his own, including his servants and those that believed in him. That is a sign of our covenant with God. So who is this Paul who is now preaching that circumcision was symbolic? The real one has come. So they had some trouble agreeing with him. But that is the reality. The reality is that the circumcision is no longer of the flesh. It's not a practical circumcision. Therefore, it becomes important to teach the Jew that salvation is not an act of circumcision, but salvation is an act of believing in the Lord Jesus who now circumcises off the flesh of sin. That's why the Bible says, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That taking away of the sin was made to be the culmination of the circumcision of Abraham. Are we together? To the pure, all things are pure. There are people who go deep. <laughs> you are teaching like this about circumcision. <laughs> the moment they had circumcision, they went to the hospital. <laughs> And they remained there. God deliver you. You know, for example, there are people who... <laughs> you know, there are those people who have to learn to not look when a girl is passing. Because when they look, then they start thinking. Then there are those who they don't even have to look. The moment your name pops up on the WhatsApp status, they've gone to the bathroom, the bedroom, because they already have a problem. And so one of the most important things you need to do is to have authority over your mind. Sometimes you need to tell your mind, you are old, behave. You need to tell it. Don't, don't always think you and your mind are one. Sometimes some of those thoughts are not coming from you. There are people who sit down and they just start getting discouraged. Everything I've been through. How come these things are not working? And then now they start feeling like, and then they become one with the thoughts. So it's not that they are initially one with a thought, it's that there, were, there was a whisper which they gave latitude to express itself. And it turned out to be one with themselves. Praise God. Right. So he goes on to say, for we who are the circumcision, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Who put no confidence in the flesh. He says, we are the real circumcision who serve God by the spirit and boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. What is the flesh he's talking about in this context? He begins to explain it in verse 4 when he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, that's confidence in the flesh. 
So he's trying to say, if at all we were to consider a guy who should have confidence in the flesh, it is me. And he begins to explain. I want us to now understand the context of the flesh. He begins to say, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Then he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That means they didn't even wait two days. For him, Abadwache, eighth day, Bajuba. So that he really comes out as a child of the Abrahamic covenant. There are some who, then they circumcise them after two months. Him, 80th day. The time they circumcised Jesus. The time which was recommended for a child to be circumcised. That's a day he got circumcised. So if there's a person who qualifies as a Jew, he was the one. He goes on to say, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, meaning he's saying, I am Jew, 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 Jew. He goes on to say, a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning he is trying to show them that if it comes to the identity of a person as to being Hebraic, it is him. He is one of those people who is like, yes. If there are people who, you know, the Jews in John chapter 8, Jesus began, began to challenge them and he began to say to them, uh, he began to say to them, if, you were, if Abraham was your father, in fact, they began to say to him, we are not slaves, we are children of Abraham. Because they, they prided in that, but he begins to tell them, but if Abraham were your father, you wouldn't want to kill me. Because Abraham loved me. Then he says, but you are of your father, the devil. But these are people who, who, who had such pride in being here. So he's trying to tell them that the typical Jew enjoys being a Jew because they believe that's where the salvation lies. So that's where the confidence is. In the flesh, that is to mean for them, they are connected to Abraham and David literally. I was, one of my clients is a Hebrew man and he begins to talk about how he is some kind of 10th generation from David and they count. So they believe we're enough because these are people who prayed, they wrote Psalms, they conquered, they spoke to God. So for them, their connection is in the flesh. So what are you telling me, you? So they have confidence in the fact that they are connected to Abraham. But then he's trying to distinguish you from Abraham. For you, he says, we are of the circumcision. Who serve God by the spirit, not by connection to a man physically. And therefore, we have no confidence in the flesh. We boast in Christ Jesus, who engrafted us into the promise by his spirit, by his sacrifice on the cross. You know, genes can even reduce in strength as time goes by. So you must have more confidence in the spirit who connected you to the covenant because it doesn't finish. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> but then he goes on to describe the flesh. He goes on to say, in regard to the law, I was, I was a Pharisee. In fact, he says a Pharisee. As of zeal, persecuting the church, you don't know zeal. You know zeal can be carnal. Eh? There are people who have zeal. He says zeal without knowledge. That's what he dis described himself. He says, as for the righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. That's how much he followed the law. Then he goes on to say, but whatever were the gains to me, I now consider for loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. 
So he's trying to say that there's a certain level of the flesh. In fact, there's another verse where he says, if anyone has to boast, because you guys easily accept the apostle of the apostles. He was writing to the Corinthians. He says, I've got a reason to boast. Then he begins talking about, now, not his lineage. He now begins talking about his works. He begins to count how many times he was flogged. How many times he almost died at sea preaching the gospel. So it's not just a lineage thing. Even when it comes to boasting, you can boast in your works if you're not careful. He begins to talk about the things he went through to preach the gospel. The number of times he was beaten, the number of times he almost faced death in order to preach the gospel. But he's saying all these things are carnal. We have a situation here. Let's, I'm trying to establish the doctrinal end of things. Let's go Let's go. Let's go to a very beautiful scripture. The book of John, John chapter 6, verse 60. Do you love the word of God? Or you're in a hurry? You came here on a Friday. Remember where I used to be on Fridays before you came here? You are not even late, so just sit. Let me not derail my message. John chapter 6, verse 60. It's a very beautiful verse. You could read it at your own time, but give it to me in the NKJV. He says, but this he said to test 60. 60. So he said some very strange things about eating his flesh and drinking his blood before this. So the Bible says, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard message. Who can understand it? Let's go. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? In other words, he's telling, trying to tell them, uh, you, me telling you to eat my flesh and drink my blood is offending you. What if I tell you that I am God and where I came from was in heaven? Meanwhile, you saw me being born from a woman. Are you not going to think I'm just now mad? That's what he's trying to say there. He says, what then if... What if I now told you that I'm going back where I was before with God? I was the word, and the word was God. And I believe there are many things Jesus never said because he knew people would get offended. I will tell you this. Listen, let me give you wisdom. When it comes to saying truths, especially about your success or the excellence of your knowledge in conversation, you need to be very sensitive not to offend people. There's a certain level of confidence and truth which when not properly spoken can bring offense enshrouded in jealousy. So sometimes you need to help people. So even in conversations, you try to make yourself just very humble. 
And you see, you can tell when, you, when you're talking to Hophites, they are very simple people. The way they, they are confident by very simple. You know, when, 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 when Joseph, when David went to the battlefield and he found his older brothers who saw him the time he was being anointed as king and not them. And he asked, he said, ah, what's happening here? One of his brothers called him and said, you, I know your arrogance. You have a problem, you are proud. Can you get out of here and go and pay attention to your father's few sheep? And then he's, and you can tell from the way he was communicating, he says, ah, is there not a cause? And then he turned away and went to the other person. That means he was, for those who didn't know him, they were shocked at how Eliab responded. Because here's a guy who's come here for the first time. All he's doing is asking what's going on. Now, you, because you know what this man carries. You know what God did to him, so you are offended. But sometimes it's not that. There are people with a problem like Eliab, the Eliab spirit, which speaks offense merely because it knows the capability of the person who seems to be presenting the offense. That's an Eliab spirit. But then there is also just how the David personality is presenting the information. There are people who, when they are talking to you, you feel so less of yourself. You feel like, oh, I don't know anything. You even lose your accent. Because of the way they are teaching you. There are people who have got the, 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 the gacha spirit. I got you. Don't be like that. You see, people, people have pride. But people also have what is known as an ego. You should not destroy a person's ego. You need to leave it because that ego is what brings a sense of dignity to a person. That's what makes a person not reduce themselves to begging on the street. That's what not reduces a person to, a, to, to, to things that people normally do when they, when, they, when they throw away their dignity. So you need to allow a person their ego. Even when they are wrong, there's a way you bring information. You just don't bash people and tell them, let me explain to you. So that they quickly see something. No, 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 no. You know, there are times when I have a conversation with a person, and the time they're realizing that they were wrong is when I already finished talking to them. They say, oh, oh, yeah. No, actually, you have a point. You see people now agreeing with you. You tell them, uh, I hear you, but have you ever looked at it like this? You know, that's why the Bible talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, the servant of the Lord must quarrel, but must be gentle. It says, being patient with those who oppose him, so that perhaps God may have mercy on them and turn them away from the snare of the enemy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 going down. That's the kind of information you find there. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Meekness is a force of dominion. You, you see, you will easily win people over who can notice that the way you are correcting them is making them feel like they have learned in, without losing their dignity. Even your children, people in the house, when you are teaching them, don't do the, let me teach you a lesson. You are not teaching them, you are humiliating them. And you are lying that you are teaching someone a lesson. You know, there are some of you, the moment a person hears that, let me teach him a lesson, they even know it, I will cry. Praise the Lord. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I want you to go back. Go back. 
Go up. Are you, are you saying the confidence that Jesus had in himself? It's truth. But there was no way of saying that kind of truth without offending someone. How do you tell someone, I came from heaven, I am God. There's no, it's like a breakup. Whether you tell the person it's not you, it's me. I'm the one with the problem, I need deliverance. <laughs> or whether you tell them, we is done. The campaign is still equals. I said, go up. That's up. Go up again. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Let's go. It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. He's trying to tell them, you know, these are people who believe so much it's just Abraham who can save them. It's just the fact that they are circumcised that can save them. But Jesus is trying to introduce a new route which makes things even easier. Because even Abraham, with the covenant he had, the Bible says, all of this died in faith, not being made perfected, waiting for us. Because perfection never came by the law or by the era of faith in the day of Abraham. Perfection came through the sacrifice of Jesus. So he's trying to tell them, Abraham is in paradise down there, the paradise down in hell. You know there was a paradise in hell, right? Let me just take a few minutes to explain this part, just because I'm seeing a lot of people who, who are lost. Lazarus, dies, and the angels take him to Abraham's bosom. It doesn't say to heaven. When the rich man dies, the Bible just tells us in hell, it doesn't tell us what took him there, but something always, inshindishi. You know inshindishi? The bridal party. Whether you are going to hell, you are going to heaven. You know, for some people, there will be angels that will take them. Then for other people, it's other things. Everyone has a right to a bridal party. Because the church is a bride of Christ. So it's like a wedding. So the wedding depicts what happens and what will happen. So for some people, it will be, you know, Angels carrying them there. Then for some people, I don't know if it's a marriage that happens, <laughs> but something, the Bible hides that information. But a person just doesn't find themselves in hell. Ta-da! This is why I'd be wrong. No. Something took them there. And when that something takes them there, anyways, the Bible says, and in hell he lifted his eyes and he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. He, it's, he was not lifting his eyes to pull through hell, then go up, then pull through earth, then into the clouds. 
And then they started having a conversation. No. So there was, there was a side where all those who believed in God were. It was a waiting place. That's where Abraham's, it's a paradise. That's where they were. And a lot of people were there who had died before the coming of the Lord Jesus. Because none of them had qualified to go to heaven before Jesus went up to heaven to take his sacrifice for it to be acceptable. So that through him, those in the past, present, and future can have access to the Father. So he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He's trying to say present, past, future. No one can go there except through me. So all of them, according to Hebrews 11, my last verses, they were waiting. And being in torment in head in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Let's go on. Then they started having a conversation. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in, in water and cool my tongue. People don't change. Listen, you know, that's why let me, be, let me be brutally honest. A person dies and people sanctify the dead. And I'm not saying we should not respect the dead and whatever you call that. I think it's important for people to behave themselves because people are mourning and things like that. Rest in peace. Whatever you want to say, you can say. But then, it's not like a person is a saint because they are dead. The same personality they wear on earth is the same one they will continue with wherever they go. Because this guy saw Lazarus as a beggar on his table. He's a guy who used to send, say, I want to eat something. First, first, bring something, do this for me. Then there's like a meal this side. Quickly, quickly, before the flies continue eating you up, you need to eat something. So he knew that Abraham was his servant. That same Chivelesh is the same one he took even in hell. So that's why, don't think people will change. Even if you pray for the dead, that God may move them from hell or purgatory to take them to heaven, they still don't change. They will take their sins there. The same personality. They want to send everyone they find in heaven. They will find someone. Uh, where I'm coming from, I used to be rich in real estate. So why don't you bring me? They will find someone they don't know. They will send them. This is why, listen, you are free to believe whatever you want. But you just can't wake up and say, God must be merciful in, in heaven. When this time, all this time when you are on earth, you were not merciful to him. You denied him in the presence of men. You want him to accept you in the presence of his angels. Well done, good and faithful sinner. I don't know. It doesn't work like that. The time to believe and to repent is now when you are here. Tell your cousins. Yeah, because you see, that's the kind of complaint he had, this guy. He says, I'm tormented in this flame. Let's go on. But Abraham said, Sani, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, but you, Lazarus, but now, let's go. And besides all this, between you and us, there is a great gulf fixed. Gulfs are like this, not like this. The word is chasm. He says, besides that, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. Meaning, if you want to pass, you fall in the lake of fire, in a poor fire. Nor can those from here pass to us. 
Then he said, I beg send him to my father's house. He still thinks that boy can be sent. Your tables have changed. Tipaseko to juicy. He still says that people don't change. You will take your sins there in heaven. They already had a bad lesson some time back. One of their members misbehaved and, and took one third of the church in heaven. So they don't want any misbehavior there. If you don't want to behave yourself here, you have challenges there. Amen. I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place. Are you seeing that? Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, Daniel. Let them hear them. Praise the Lord. Tell your brothers. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man, the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless he has been granted to me by my father. But he says something interesting. He's trying to tell them, you believe in Abraham so much. And this guy was able to to look at Abraham and identify him because they are in the lineage together. But even Abraham could not save him. He says, it's the spirit that gives life and the flesh. Look at that. Give me that verse. It's the spirit that gives life and the flesh has no profit. Zero, zero profit. That is what he's trying to suggest. Let's read one more. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. I am the least of the apostles who I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God. Remember, he talks to you about his qualifications. But then he's saying all those things, he counts them as garbage. And then he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, I did not receive the grace and I did not, I didn't just keep it. He says, but I labored more abundantly than they. Who is they? Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with, it, with me. I want you to give it to me in the Amplified Classic. Oh. But by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing. Someone say blessing. Of God, I am what I am. 
and his grace toward me was not found to be for nothing. It's possible that you can receive the grace of God for nothing. It's possible. He says it was not found. That means there's a time, you know, when they say we've, he's been found guilty. It means there was a trial. It means they asked questions about things that he did. That means there was a search in Paul's life to find out if the grace he received was in vain. And it was found to not have been in vain. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Whatever grace has been given to you, at some point, you have to ask if it was in vain. And you will say, I was afraid, so I buried it. And then you say, oh, cute. He had a powerful reason. This guy says, I was afraid I would fail of my parents, blah, 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 blah. His grace toward me was not found to be nothing. Fruitless and without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, the apostles. How can you talk like that if you're not talking from facts? You know, even in your department, you, you can tell in your heart that you're working harder than all of them combined. Imagine, imagine what he's saying. He says, in fact, I worked more than all of the apostles. You know Matthew, you. You know Peter. What do you mean, Paul? You worked more than all of them combined. You worked harder than them. He knows what he did. You know, one of the things that was fueling Paul when I read the scriptures, what was fueling, fueling Paul also was the guilt of some of the things he did to the church. So he would say things like, I'm not even worthy for my own life. I'm not worthy. I would rather just die. He knew none of the apostles did that. Peter ran away. And at some point, when the Jews came, he pretended to be like the circumcision because he didn't like trouble. And Paul, at some point now, came to him and said, Sir, I'm calling you out. You've missed it. But him, at some point, they wanted to kill him. And he was telling the believers, let me come out. A prophet, a mighty prophet. He came and said, this guy, the owner of this jacket, they will tie him like this and kill him. And he says, I'm the owner. That's exciting. Let's do this thing. Like, What? He says, I'm not just ready to be jailed, but to be killed for the sake of Christ. So he, he went to places where, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, he says, we despaired even unto death. That's why Paul was one of those people who, when he's going into a dangerous place, the Spirit of God had to tell him, he don't go this side. For example, the Bible says, we wanted to go to Asia. He was writing to the, to the Thessalonians, and he says, we wanted to go to Asia, but the Spirit forbade us. He was a guy for forbidding. Some of you, the only thing that has happened is that the Spirit has been telling you, pray. He has never forbidden you. No, don't touch that. Don't go that side. It's just encouragement. This guy was just a fire. All he wanted to do was bend, bend, bend. That the Spirit at some point had to take. They registered. The one who's registered, it was Paul. Praise God. Look at that. So he knew places where they didn't go. He went. Barbarians. He almost lost his life at sea. He went. He almost lost his life to a viper. He just shook it off. He says, I've survived too much. This, they, this is not how they die. So I even die. Stop it. Shook it. Some of you have not yet gone through things. 
Sometimes you need to go <laughs> through things for you to be able to resist some temptations. Listen, some of those pains you've gone through and you've survived, they qualify you for some of the promotions. And I'm not saying, I am not saying that go through pain so that you can be promoted. No, 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 no. Especially not in this season, and I will explain to you why. But there is a level, it says count it all joy when you go through all kinds of diverse temptations, knowing that your temptations bring, um, bring out the trying of your faith. And when your faith is tested, then your character becomes solid, wanting nothing. Meaning there are things you go through. If you know pain, eh? you know pain. Pain. When you go through just the right quality quantity of pain, and someone tells to you, you need to... Some of you need to remember your pain. You just need to behave yourselves, remember your pain. Someone comes to tell you, no, no, I can give you this if only you sleep with me. A man is looking at you and says, just, I can give you this, just tell me. Just name the price. Then you remember how you used to walk every day. You used to walk every day to just, let's just say high school, and you'd be so tired. Some of you, you did an internship, you'd be walking, 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 and you were so tired. And when you think about that pain, then you think, okay, so if he gives me this and we do what he wants me to do, then I start gaining a 2,000 on top. Will it take away the pain that I went through? I would rather just continue. I know, you see, the pain of not receiving a 2,000 cannot be compared to the pain I experienced that day or some of the things that God made you go through. Eh. Should we say that you receive your pain? No, not today. <laughs> not today. Not today. Not this season. Someone was saying, someone was saying, uh, I don't want to be, this year I don't want to be in the army of the Lord. <laughs> Lord, is there a way <laughs> I can avoid being in the army? Don't enlist me as a, as a general. Yet the Lord is coming to you to be among the generals. Praise the Lord. So he says, I worked harder than all of them. Then he says, though it was not really I, but the grace. See, the evidence of grace is works. We don't know that you are graced until you point us to your works. One of the ways we know that the grace of God is upon a person is by the fruits they are producing in the New Testament. Listen to me. There are three levels of fruitfulness, and this is your formula for breakthrough. Number one, there's got to be a revelation. In other words, what is God saying? Because the Bible says it is the spirit who gives life. And the flesh profits nothing. You know, there are people who are just doing chipante pante. They're just doing things, just trying to make things work. And there's a place for that. But then there's a certain level of profit you cannot experience if you're not working from a place of revelation and the direction of the spirit. The Bible says, the Bible says, 
It is useless, Psalm 127 says, it is useless for you to toil all night, to seek the bread of hard work, and to spend sleepless night. For God gives good things to those he loves in their sleep. Then he goes on to say, if, it is not the, if it's not the Lord who's building the house, they that build the house, they build in vain. If it is not the Lord who's watching over the city, then they that watch over the city watch in vain. So there is a place in the season of a Christian where they are just a conduit of the works of grace. They are just a conduit of the works of God. It is not them. Although they are laboring, there's something that is propelling them. You know when someone is on steroids, when you watch, when you watch athletes, there are sometimes when they say, mm -mm, this level of strength and agility, so they test them, and there are many times when they test them, then they find, ah, she was on steroids, and they burn themselves for a year or three sometimes. How many have ever seen that? So the guy or the girl was producing results, but the person was not alone. There was something, there were steroids. There were drugs that they were on. There are times when we couldn't study back in high school. Because you are tired, they've made you work. So what we'll do, we'll drink coffee. Now, I was not a coffee person. What worked for me was, was, was a nap. For me, the way I am, even now, I don't do coffee. Because when I take coffee, I, my blood begins running fast or something like that. So I said, this is not for me. I only drink, you know, the proverbial coffee. Let's meet over coffee. That's the only one I drink. And once in a while when I feel like I need to fit in, but not as a lifestyle. <clears throat> and that's how I've been for a long time. So for me, when I take a nap, I can last the whole night. So this one time, a friend of mine, William, decided that let's take coffee. So we bought this coffee and we drank. The moment we hit our book racks, we slept. Both of us slept. And when we woke up, we all looked at each other like this. <laughs> and we had no energy left in us. We now said, uh, let's just go. <laughs> let's not lie to ourselves. <laughs> but there are people who, when they drink coffee, oh my goodness, they become another creature. They will be up the whole night. That's what grace does. It amplifies a capacity which is otherwise normal which should otherwise give you average fruit. But what grace does is that grace amplifies your voice. I could be I could be using the same level of energy. As I'm talking, I'm just talking slowly like this. But then my voice is able to reach far because there's grace. But I could have the same qualifications with a person, but if I'm not working... Are you seeing that? Yeah. But when God gives me the mic... When that grace comes, 
So here is the first stage is called revelation because in God's word is the ability to perform it. So one of your greatest skills in this day and age is to find the word of the Lord for you. Either what God is speaking to you about or what your pastor has said. You need to find the word of God because therein lies your secret. Somebody asked me a question today and they said, Pastor, what could have been your secret to success in ministry? I didn't know I had any anyways. So I said, if there's any success to my ministry, number one has been my ability to be serious with what God is saying in the season. That's number one. I can tell you that how I got into ministry was a word, an encounter. One time, I'm in my bedroom. The Bible falls, opens to Hebrews chapter 5, and the verse says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to feed you of the elementary doctrines of the faith. And I'm saying, hmm. Okay, then immediately I heard a voice go to the living room, turn on the TV. I went to the living room, turned on the TV. I found a man named Andrew Womack and he was saying, oh well, this is how I got to know my calling. One day I was, that's how he talks. Yeah, uh, you know, one day, a powerful man of God, by the way. You know, one day I was reading the Bible and I came across Hebrews 5, which says, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody to teach you the elementary doctrines of the Christian faith. So I knew the Lord had called me to a teaching ministry. And I was looking at I said, <laughs> No, it's like any other dream. You know, there's a depth and a force with which dreams come with. But after one hour, it becomes like, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't matter it was an angel, it was a demon, it just, it's gone. So now I had to pursue that. I began to look for people who teach the word of God because I knew I needed to soak myself into something because I knew there was a ministry. That's 2011. I knew there was a ministry in me to teach the word of God. It's not, it's not today I'm starting. In Yanja, it sounds boastful. <laughs> it's not today I'm starting. I began to... You have no idea how I had a laptop which was half cracked. My sister failed to use it. She threw it away to me. I took it. I would study books, one screen. The whole night I'm studying. I wake up, I pray, I pray. I look for preachers. I, I look for all of them. I was, you don't know. You don't know. I was drunk on teachers. I would look for them. I would look for them. The false ones, the true ones. <clears throat> The word. So I notice when I teach people, they'll be like, wow. Oh, no, you, you dreamt that you were healing people. When you woke up, you said, again, casting out demons. Then you move on like nothing happened. You've missed your word. So the first thing is, what is the word of the Lord over your life? What is the word of the Lord for the season for you? Some of you, it's what I'm saying, which will always be a word. The Bible says, where there's no vision, prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And then it says, happy is the one who keeps the law. The law is also your prophetic vision. You will be as happy as the one who has received prophetic revelation when you receive and run with the word which has been given to you. That's number one. What is God saying? Even when we got this building, there had to be a word. There was a dream somewhere. God showed me five places. So let me give you this last testimony. There was this one time, when we're about to have Love Sunday. And then the people who booked found that the banquet hall was not there. By then we had already released a flyer that we're using the banquet hall. And then they told us the only one which is available is the theater hall with bad acoustics. 
And then these boys, the musicians, they were telling me, no, we can't use that one. It's got bad sound. They were all on me. <sighs> Mass choir, they had over-rehearsed. So I said, should we tell them that there's nothing we can do? But then somehow in my heart, I had a word, an impression. I knew. We tried to talk to government complex. They kept saying, no, 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 you're using theater hall. In my heart, I knew that they are not being honest. We checked. They said it's booked. I said, okay, wait. So people were telling me, some of my leaders, we need to change the flyer to theater hall. My wife was telling me, you, we need to change this thing. And I would just say, wait. I would just, somehow I never gave the instruction because somehow in my spirit, I knew, I knew. I just had this knowing. I just had this knowing that that's the one we're supposed to use. Then about a week to go, they now said, it's available. You can go ahead and use it. Everyone was like, hallelujah. I was like, oh, well, go ahead. Because I knew. I knew. So I didn't change because there was a direction which I had. It was not like a prophetic word like, behold, do not be dismayed because this is June. And then you're going to use the banquet hall. It was not like that. There was just a knowing in my spirit. Let me give you an example. You know, I was watching Love Sunday 2022. And Love Sunday 2022, I was teaching. And when I was teaching, I began to tell them how my son was born. And I said, in the vision that I had, I was praying one time and I had a vision of my wife in 2016, early 2016. And I saw that she was light and I saw a number of kids and I saw one of them, the one who looked like the firstborn. Now, Apostle Fred and Prophet Lewis will tell you this. The one who looked like the firstborn was a boy. I didn't see the wife, uh, the face of my wife, but I could tell that these are my children. They were like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> so, so I was so happy. I was so happy. And then they say, oh, oh, that's nice. So, <laughs> So, when we went to the hospital, they now tell us that this baby is a girl. And we didn't like, my wife wanted a boy. I had preached to her. I told her. In fact, there was a time when Chisa was talking to me. And I said to him, you, by the time you'll be getting married, my son will be on your lineup. By then, it was, it was before I even got married. Uh, it was It was before. It was before he was born. Before he came, before he was even there. It was, I think it was before. So, I said, now I have to explain to Chiza. And I have to go back to Prophet Lewis and Apostle Fred and tell them, no, God changed things. So I'm thinking, I'm laying down and I'm thinking on the sofa. And I had a vision. I had a vision of a small girl coming. And I said, I didn't look at her. I looked up to God and I said, can she come later? Let that boy come. And then the vision was taken away. And then we went back. And then they said, ah, it's a boy. And then there was even a Chinese, because my wife couldn't believe it. So there was a Chinese doctor there who, who came to check. And then our, our, our guy is checking, says, it's a boy. And then the, doc, the, the Chinese doctor came from afar and said, uh, that's a boy, big penis, that's a boy. <laughs> Whatever that meant. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's how we knew. 
some people should not be doctors. That's how we knew we have. But what drove me to the place where I was so sure this has to be? That I, and then... <laughs> So, I know what God said. Here's the point I make. I know what God said. You need, this is the next part now. Number one, revelation. Number two, faith. In the revelation. Because you see, sometimes there are things, forces of nature that are likely to challenge the word which God gave you. So if you are not convinced about the word, you will bow down. Sometimes you need to fight with the word because you need to say, no, 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 no. Lord, for me, what I was seeing was this. How come it's presenting itself like this? <clears throat> How come it's presenting itself like this? Because God said, this is a boy. And, uh, go back then they say no 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 this i will tell you this is, this is a girl i said okay now i have to go contend with the word i received not because we don't want the baby girl no 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 but because it will challenge everything i've believed in and everyone i told so it has to change now that's and I'm not, you see, it's, I think it's even easier to change things that it's an attack from the kingdom of darkness. But imagine it's just nature. <laughs> it's just random selection. What do you do? Even nature can bow down to a word that was given to you by God. If you just drive it correctly. You just drive it correctly. Abraham was called father of many nations, yet he had no child. But he waited next year, no child. Next year, no child. He never changed this confession. He never changed his predisposition. He was still called Abraham. And as he consistently believed, there was a result. Praise the Lord. You need to be sober. You need to be consistent and moved. And sometimes, when, and this is the important part of your formula for breakthrough. Sometimes when a word of God, which you were given, which is supposed to just happen normally, is taking time. It's time for warfare. You know, when you begin to do warfare, it's not a work in the flesh. It's a work in the spirit. There's a certain, I'm concluding, there's a certain level of labor, which is not right for Christians. Listen, this is what God was teaching me. There's just a certain level of hard work. Huh? A certain level of hard work, which is not befitting for kings. You are just working. You can't even see results. You are just going. You are just pushing. You are tired. You are just pushing. And I'm not talking. Paul said, when I received the grace, I put it to work. Meaning, this kind of work, he knows there's a grace that's pushing me. He's on divine steroids. There's something that is making him produce the results that he's producing. Because there's a word that came, then the second level, which is the, the, the faith, comes in. And then, the, because the Bible says, by grace, through faith. So grace is the last part, because in grace is also fruit. But the 
part, part for work. Sometimes you can tell when you keep working, keep working, keep working, and then you're not producing results. And yet there was a word for God, it calls for warfare. Don't even eat. Don't eat because at a certain point, there are certain results you should have had. By virtue of being a child of God, there's just the way things must work around you. But when you realize that, you know, there's a point, some of you may not remember, but there was a point when no one in Hof was getting a job. <coughs> it was dry, the whole church. I said, what's this? I don't know if you remember, I declared the fast. And everyone came to pray and fast. We prayed, prayed, prayed and fast, fasted. And then afterwards, I collected seeds from everyone. And after I collected seeds, even me, I put. And I took to a minister of the gospel that I felt had a higher grace than the one I had. I felt like this one can pray for me. I went there and put it there. And the man spoke away. And afterwards, it began just coming like that. People began to get jobs. And what happens is, the, the night when I discovered there's a warfare, I was seeking God. I said, Lord, what's this? And I was praying, and I was praying, and I was fasting. And I remember that period, I had a dream. In this dream, I was walking. And as I was walking, I was in a place where they were employing people. And, and then there was a woman who stood up. And she just began to shout at me. She began to shout at me, who do you think you are? She, I was confused. So because I don't like shouting at women, <laughs> I just walked out of the office. But when I walked out of the office, she followed me. Started shouting at me. I went outside the premises in a gravel road. She followed me. Who do you think? No, I was confused. I was looking at this woman at And then suddenly I saw her transform into a witch. Then she got up and she began to fly. Then I noticed she was chasing me from where she was. She was trying to chase me, but at the time I had lost appetite for being chased. I wasn't interested. Even in the dream, I'd reached a point where in the dream when I'm being chased, I wouldn't be interested. In the dream, that's the point I reached. So I saw, in fact, to be honest, it was a phenomenon for me because I saw a witch flying firsthand. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. And the witch was coming at me angry, wondering why I'm not afraid. That you look like a tourist attraction. <laughs> and then suddenly, I saw, I saw about four to six lights, stars, coming from the heavens. And they went and hit her, boom! And went and hit her, boom! And went and hit her, boom! And she fell in the maze. There was like a farm somewhere. <laughs> And I began to observe very closely. I saw in the maze field, four beings walked out. They were so brilliant. And as they came close to me, they were reducing in glory. And I saw one of them. That one was tall as there. Maybe where this thing is. And then, and then this being says to me, we have been sent to you because you are a man of labor. Because that being was representing the others. So that being stepped out. You see, when I say that, I'm avoiding saying he or she. It's not everything I share. 
and began to say, I've been sent, we've been sent because you're a man of labor. And I was wondering, what do they mean you are a man of labor? Because in that dream, apostle came to pull me, says, let's go. It's over, let's go. And I woke up and I, I woke up, I found him in the bed sleep. Like, like, guy, why are you? We used to share the same bed. I almost woke him up to rebuke him. So I forgot about the dream. In the afternoon, he began, in the late evening, around 18 hours, we were sharing the word. That's the only thing him and I used to do. We we're discussing scriptures. Then he says, you know, the Bible says, and, and uh, he says, um, and, and Epaphras, who's one of you, who labors in you mightily in prayer. Then it hit me that the labor they meant was the prayers that we've been praying. That's the moment I remember the dream. Then I saw these angels were coming as a result of the prayers we made. Then I knew instantly there was going to be a breakthrough. So that breakthrough was born as a result of engaging. Because you have noticed, there are, there's a way things must begin to happen in your life. When you reach a certain place, there are things that must happen. There are things that you should do. Some of them could be as a result of, you may need to seek an instruction. Lord, what do you have me, what would you have me do? Sometimes it's because there's a warfare somewhere. Sometimes you could be the cause of the warfare. But 90% of the time, there's an attack from the kingdom of darkness. Because there's just a certain way as a child of God, you must not be doing a muwamba chipuba. You are a child of God, you are a king and a priest. You can't be saying every year, this is my year. One of them has to land. One of them, you have to make it big. Praise the Lord. God did not call us to labor so hard as if we, like we are orphans. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. I'll send you another comforter who is the spirit of truth. That's what the comforter does. He helps us so that we are not like we are parentless. So, I observe my life and I observe the life of those around me. And I you know there are people that I began to intercede for because I noticed that there's a certain way their life should not be. At a certain point, there are some things that must not happen. If those things are not happening, have you ever sought God? Like, why is this happening like this? You need to have faith. Let me give you the final key. You need to have faith in the prayer of inquiry. The Bible says when David came to Ziklag, he discovered that his wives and the wives of the men that were with him and their, their children had been taken by the Philistines as captives. And the Bible says they began to wail and they cried and they wept until there was no more strength left in them except a bitterness to the extent that they wanted to kill David. So David now says, the Bible says, David went and got a, an effort from the priest. And he said, Lord, should we pursue them? And God said, you shall pursue them and you shall overtake. I'm like, what? So this is all you needed to do at first. Did you have to cry? Oh, because we do not carry everything. <clears throat> so what they needed to do first was first pray. Get an answer. Go whip those then come and cry when they remember what they did to their wives and their children. And at least they were not going to lose their energy because they wouldn't have finished. They would have been like a joy somewhere. Praise the Lord. So you need to, there are times when I seek God, I say, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why is it happening to that person? And I have faith that somehow God will reveal it. 
Some of you, the issue is that you don't believe that God can reveal to you in a way what is wrong. But then what then is the purpose of the Holy Spirit if not to guide you into all truth? He is your light. Just ask God, how can I clear this exam? Ask him, Lord, is there a way I can go around this? Lord, is there a way? There is just a way, God. It may be different from person to person. But if you believe, God will show it to you. You know, God has told me to announce to you that there's going to be a breakthrough. And for some of you, there's going to be an unusual grace. For some of you, an unusual favor. For some of you, there's going to be a, a, a fire for warfare. You just know that if that altar, it doesn't matter, it's 1,000 years old. God is going to give you the Samson spirit, which is able to lift the gates of a city and climb a mountain with it. It doesn't matter how people in your family died. They were just dropping. They were just dropping. You will not participate. In fact, what you, what you're going to do is you're going to lift that thing. It doesn't matter the level of witchcraft. That makes people at a certain point not just produce fruit. When it comes to finances, when it comes to marriages, there is an authority in this meeting. Even for those that are watching me, there's an authority that is about to come to you. And when that authority lands upon you in this moment as we begin to pray, you are going to see breakthrough.